Conversations podcast. It is a joy for me to welcome Katie Ferris uh, to the podcast, and she has just released a book that I think many of us at the Vine are going to be interested in, and it's called "God Is Still Good," and the subtitle is "Gospel Hope and Comfort for the Unexpected Sorrows of Motherhood." And I just wanted to read the description on the back, because I think this will really help frame our conversation and and those of you listening in terms of what we're going to be talking about. And it says this, motherhood is filled with blessings, but unexpected heartaches can quickly overwhelm us. While we are tackling busy schedules, medical emergencies, and marital strain, wariness can sneak in and tell us hurtful lies, such as this trial is too strong to bear, but there is comfort in God's promises. As a mother of five children in a medically complex family, Katie Ferris shares her parenting challenges and the source of her hope, the gospel of Jesus, providing biblical context for suffering and the questions that often accompany it. She confronts um, prevalent temptations and lies that mothers are likely to face. Through her rich prayers and stories, you'll find the biblical encouragement to trust God through your own difficult seasons of motherhood. Well, that's a great uh, summary. Uh, I've, I've read some of the book and looked through most of it. I'm um, really excited to, to talk about this with you, Katie. So welcome. Thank you so much, Zach. It's a privilege to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. So why don't you just um, help our people here in Madison, Wisconsin, get to know you a little bit. Tell us about who you are, you know, any other details you want to share that yeah. would be interesting. That'd be great. Um, Sure. Yeah. I'm a mom to five children, uh, ages five to 16. So my youngest is in kindergarten this year. My oldest is starting to drive. Um, My husband's a pastor. We're involved. um, We're involved in our local church in Southern New Jersey. Uh, Favorite day trips are to the Jersey shore. We love to go to the beach, especially during COVID. That was, um, you know, a place where we could go with wide open spaces sure. uh, for our kids. Um, so that's a little bit about us. And I absolutely love being a mom. Uh, I love motherhood. I get excited when I find out that um, a friend is getting ready to start a family. Um, so I'm very pro motherhood. Uh, I think it brings a lot of joy, but it, at least in my own experience, and I think uh, if I can extend that to moms in general, I think over the years I've realized that while there's a lot of joy in motherhood, there are also pains and uh, even a degree of suffering that uh, moms face. And uh, I think that's true, whether um, it's even, you know, as early as pain and labor and delivery or the adoption process, I think from the very beginning of the motherhood experience, suffering is a part of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's definitely been my own experience. Uh, 2013, I had four kids at the time and uh, one got really sick and that led to a bunch of medical testing, which eventually led to the diagnosis of three of our children with the same serious genetic condition. And, um, you know, that was a hard time. We were believers, my husband and I, but, you know, just trusting God with 
something that was so unexpected. Um, you know, our kids were young. This was not what I envisioned. It wasn't part of my expectations for motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of my journey. Uh, trusting God through that experience, experiencing his faithfulness. And then really, I think, I mean, we're not on the other side of it. The condition that my kids have is actually something that, you know, we just have a lot of questions. We don't know sure. how it will impact them over time. Sure. We're very much in the middle of our story. But I think through that, the Lord's also, uh, you know, put on my heart a desire to come alongside, not as an expert, <laughs> but as a mom, um, yeah. as a companion, to other women who are walking through some of the harder things in their motherhood journey, whether expected or unexpected, um, and really help them connect the gospel and the hope of Christ to some of the harder things that they're experiencing. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I'm I'm grateful uh, to be able to write this book. I hope it's um, really a help to a lot of moms. Yeah. I want to come back to your kids and that journey in terms of the details, but tell us a little bit for like, how did this book develop? I'm, I'm always, I'm always curious with, with authors, like even like um, the details of, I started thinking, I mean, I, you tell me, but like, I would imagine you start thinking about some things and then you start jotting some things down mm-hmm. and then it's like a, maybe a blog post. And then it's like, is this a book or was your journey like similar to that? Or was it a different way? Um, Cause most people don't just, think about like, well, I'm, I'm just going to write a book. Like how yeah. did, how did this topic, uh, connect with, man, I think I should write a book here. Sure. Sure. So I've always loved to write. So that's just part of who I am. That's how I process things. Um, uh, my husband and I, we self-published a book back in 2015, okay. um, that I'd actually like written for the ladies of my church earlier than that. So writing was a piece of my life, but I wasn't doing much writing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not like blogging or doing anything publicly. And this is 2019. And uh, the Lord just really, he used some prayer. He used some friends to really impress on my heart that it was a season to maybe um, explore using Mm-hmm. This writing, you know, call it a gift, a talent. It was actually the parable of the talents. That was yeah. um, one of the things the Lord used. Like, here I am, early 40s. I think was, I was 40 at the time. I'm like, are there yeah. any gifts that I'm burying or I'm just not using right now? Yeah. And I think there, you, not every season is a season to use every gift. Yes. But I was just exploring that with yes. the Lord and with my husband and felt like the Lord was through these other friends and his word, just encouraging me to maybe take some baby steps. Like even if I'm a one talent writer, um, just to be faithful to use that. And so that started the process of connecting with some other writing friends and writing some articles. Um, My senior pastor's wife had asked me to do a talk for the moms in my church on some of these things that I had, um, you know, untrusting God in trials, some of my journey and uh, both that talk. And then an article I wrote for the gospel coalition sure. uh, for moms. Um, both of those just kind of showed me like, there is so much more to say, to talk about, to write about this particular topic. It's much more than can fit into a 40 minute talk or a thousand word article. Yes, And, uh, you know, along the way, as I was writing here and there, blogging, 
started the, you know, Facebook page, that kind of thing. As I was doing those things, the Lord just opened more doors. And then, um, you know, I, I had so much on my heart at that point stored up to write about, uh, I actually, I, I started dividing. I'm like, I think this is two books. So yeah. I sent two book proposals to two different publishers. And um, so, yeah, this is one. God is still good. I wrote specifically for moms. And then the other one is a devotional. And then they actually were both published this past year. So oh, beautiful. that's your story. <laughs> yeah, that's a great example, Katie, of of what I talk about a lot of times with people. Um, and the catchphrase I use is, is just do the next faithful step. What's the next faithful step? Instead of thinking like, I think I'm going to set out to write 10 books. Well, mm-hmm. that might be a, an overwhelming goal to try to <laughs> accomplish, but maybe there's one thing in front of me that I should do. And in my, my experience and in your experience with this too, it's mm-hmm. like that one faithful step usually leads to another step. And another step. And sometimes there's a hard corner that turns or there's a wall in front of that next step and you're not mm-hmm. sure what to do. But um, I, I'm, I'm really uh, thankful to hear your journey with this book and, and how that's you know brought such joy to you, but also such help to to others. I'm sure that's that's the testimony of those that have read it. It's also, if I can just jump in there too, yeah. like I love that like my church is involved, you know, yes. being able to share these things with the ladies of my church. And then I had a, you know, a group of friends who really prayed for me as the book was written. So I feel like this is, it's not just me, it's a community effort. Um, yep. So, and I love, you know, I think if, if there are listeners who are thinking, okay, where do I start with something? You know, there are so many opportunities to start using a gift in your church. <laughs> totally. Totally. And that's a great testing ground mm-hmm. um, for what are people resonating with and what am I good at? What am I not good at? Um, and another example, I mean, we're getting off track here, but this is really good discipleship <laughs> stuff is like, like there's an internal sense of call. Like, I think I enjoy writing. I really like writing, but I don't know if anybody else thinks I'm good at writing or should be writing. And it's when those two meet of an external affirmation and an internal affirmation uh, that good things really happen. You know, so I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Well, if you'd be willing, Katie, we'd love to hear maybe some more details about your story and how that's really informed the creation of this book. Um, would you be willing to share with us a little bit more about your, your kid's diagnosis and how that's impacted your family? Sure. And feel free to jump in if you have other details or questions along the way. But, um, you know, from the beginning, motherhood has just looked so different than I expected. I expected, and I talk about this a little bit in my book, I expected to have this quote unquote natural delivery. And then I ended up having an emergency C-section. So like from the get-go, motherhood just was not the way I planned. Um, yeah, my wife always makes the joke because she had three C-sections. She's like, oh. my births were unnatural. <laughs> It's like, (laughs) no, it's it's a, it's a joke in our home. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel for her because that's, I mean, those are long recoveries. There's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot involved with that. So yeah, for sure. Um, And then along the way, you know, my, just for my first son, like he really struggled to gain weight. So like feeding was an issue. We didn't realize until two months in that he was tongue tied and, um, you know, so we just that whole journey. So from the beginning, like I was walking the halls praying with my baby at night, just not sure what was going on, what I was doing wrong, what he needed. And so out of my leg. Um, 
And yet the Lord was faithful from the beginning. So when these diagnoses came further into parenting, you know, we were a little bit weathered. It wasn't like our firstborn was came and then we had this diagnosis to deal with right away. But at the same time, the diagnoses were, uh, you know, it was serious. Um, and I say multiple. So I, let me um, step back a minute. So 2013, the three were diagnosed with alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. Um, and we found it because my one child's uh, liver enzymes were elevated. Okay. And so this condition can have serious impacts on children in their liver. Um, it can have serious impacts on the liver or lungs over time. Okay. And um, so, but part of getting a diagnosis is you just like, I don't know, I'd never heard of this condition before. Yep. I didn't know what we were dealing with. It was overwhelming. All of a sudden there were new specialists. There were tests to do, you know, additional testing. And so it was, it was overwhelming just that process. Um, yeah. Katie, if then, I could jump in um, just for those yeah. that don't know, like I've never, honestly, I've never heard of this Yeah, and is maybe you could just um, share a little bit for those that maybe aren't as educated um, medically uh, like, uh, you know, does this, is this like a, a terminal thing or is it like uh, very disruptive to normal life or is it like, um, managed well with medication or just sure. any, any details like that would be helpful. Sure. Uh, yeah, let me think. So, uh, thankfully my son's it took years, but that one son who was initially diagnosed, his liver enzymes did normalize okay. over his childhood years. So we were very grateful that the Lord has protected him yeah. from that serious version. There are young children who can get very sick and it, it maybe, you know, you're talking liver transplants. So you're talking oh, okay. very serious. Gotcha. Um, God has been very kind that none of my children ended up in that category. So I'm very thankful for that. The unknowns, um, how it can function, basically antitrypsin is a protein that, okay. you know, by God's good design is made in the liver and it's meant to protect the lungs. And I'm not a medical person either. So yeah. <laughs> um, I'll do my best. How I think of it as a mom though, and how I've come to think of it over the years is, my kids don't make good antitrypsin. So okay. instead they have a bad version that gets stuck in their livers. And that's what can make the liver sick over time if you have too much of the bad uh, antitrypsin in the liver. And then um, they don't make the protective antitrypsin that's needed to protect their lungs that most people would have that okay. acts maybe as some kind of a filter. Um, so the things my kids would be at risk for would be uh, like smoke is a risk. So if they're around smoke of any kind, um, their body doesn't process that the same way. They tend to be like, like for my one child, he, before his diagnosis, he'd had multiple bouts of pneumonia and we okay. didn't understand why. So sometimes a cold might be like a typical kid virus might turn into something more serious. So because the lungs don't have that extra protection, we do then add extra medications, inhalers, yep. that sort of thing to be as preventative as possible. Yep. So there's no cure. Um, and they don't like give a good version of antitrypsin to children um, to make up for it. But it's whatever we can do preventatively to protect them if they get a normal 
virus that's going around that a yes. kid would get um, growing up. Uh, and then there's just the question. So a lot of times, and this is where we see God's mercy. I didn't necessarily see it at the time, yep. but over time I've come to see it was really God's mercy that they had an early diagnosis. A lot of times it's not diagnosed until someone is maybe late teens, early twenties, starts presenting with emphysema type symptoms. Sure. And you're like, I never smoked. Why do I have this damage to my, my lungs? Um, so that's how it can often present yeah. over time. Again, that's God's mercy that right. our kids, we've been able to know. And so we've avoided certain irritants. We've been able to um, just do whatever we could in the yep. meantime. So, yeah, so but I that's imagine, what we're looking at. I imagine when you were first, when they were first diagnosed, mm -hmm. that was a huge unknown of what are we, what have we been given here? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. None of that knowledge myself. And then, yeah. um, Yes, exactly. So that's probably one of the biggest things. And that was a question I wanted to ask you. Was like, uh, and you were hinting at it before we talked about all the medical stuff. Of man, I came into motherhood with a, maybe a default set of expectations that I didn't even know I had. But but until they're confronted with something that I didn't expect, and then I did realize, oh, I had this expectation, and it's not being fulfilled. Like. Mm -hmm. I just always assumed my kids were going to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, we have a daughter with epilepsy. That was oh, never, sorry. never, never. It's, 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 it's really managed well with medication right now. So really thankful for that. Um, she doesn't have the big scary seizures ever anymore. So really, really thankful for that. Um, but that wasn't on my list of expectations as a parent that she would have some traumatic uh, seizure and we didn't know if she had brain cancer or what, you know, um, that was not on the list. And I'm sure the same for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And like you said, I didn't even know what was on my list. I wouldn't <laughs> right. have known that I wasn't expecting that. Right. I mean, I can look back and be like, I kind of expected some tantrums. I expected the yeah. runny noses. I expected right. kids aren't always going to come when I call them, that sort of thing. But I didn't have this on my list. One of the things, though, that, that comes to mind with this, Katie, that, that I think about as a pastor, and I'm sure you guys have thought of this, too, is... And it sounds counterintuitive maybe, um, but it's not biblically, is mm -hmm. having a doctrine of suffering mm -hmm. that, you, that you prepare yourself with as you move into the future. You know, um, just, just that whole idea that the creation is subjected to frustration, you know, Romans 8, meaning our bodies don't work right. The world mm -hmm. doesn't work right. And... Um, and so just kind of having my expectations managed, it doesn't necessarily make it any easier when you go through it, I don't think. But it does, I think, when you when you know that and you know that's true and you know the the biblical responses to that come after it, that we have hope and resurrection, but but we do understand that the world is subjected to frustration and creation doesn't work as it should. I'm not as surprised maybe when when the unexpected happened. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I've taken so much comfort in the story of scripture, providing that backdrop. You know, yeah. I think that's really what's given me stability yeah. in walking through something like this of recognizing, oh, you know, there's a bigger story here yeah. and my story intersects with it. It's, it, you know, um, but this story of, as you were talking about, you know, Romans eight, the creation under subjection that way, um, so 
Yes, it absolutely resonates. I take a lot of comfort in Romans 8 and I, you know, I'm thinking of the end of the chapter also, like at the same time, nothing can separate us from Amen. the love of God. Amen. So my kid's diagnosis, your daughter's epilepsy, like that doesn't separate us from God's love. So right. even as we're walking through these things, you know, in the now, but not yet waiting Amen. for redemption to be complete, right. uh, we still have this hope that, you know, just because we're walking through something hard, a trial doesn't mean that God has stopped caring about us, but right. we really, we have him loving us and we have him with us in the middle of the trial. Right. So, yeah. yeah one of my, one of my pastoral mentors, um, he pleads with people in ministry to prepare your people to suffer. Like if you are not seeking to prepare your people to suffer, you're doing them a, a gross disservice just because suffering finds everybody. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think the, tr the tricky thing is though with that, and I, I'm sure this is maybe your experience too, Katie, is I'm aware of conceptually, I, I assent to that. Biblically, I know it's true. The thing that's been hard for me is we've suffered in ways we never expected to suffer. Like, you know, being a pastor, planting a church, you're thinking like persecution from the secular city, or, you know, you're thinking, you know, money is going to be a challenge. And none of those have really come to pass, you know, in, in my adult life. But like the ways we've suffered, I never saw coming. And like, like alpha one, not on the radar. I'd never even heard of that, maybe in your case. Mm -hmm. And uh, epilepsy, not on the radar. Mm -hmm. that, that's the tricky one to work through is, is, is not conceptually, am I going to suffer? Yeah, I get that biblically. But mm -hmm. it's just the unexpected nature of like, oh my word, like mm -hmm. betrayal or, or yeah, weird medical things or, you know, aging parents or, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how has the Lord met you in that? I, I think mm, that's a good question in terms of the unexpected. Well, I think one of the things I, 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 I do find comfort in is in many of the s stories of suffering in the Bible, I think they were also very unexpected. Like I always think of Joseph, like, you know, and he, he brought on some of his own suffering through his own sin and arrogance, you know, of bragging and, and, you know, being a fool with, with his, with his older brothers, um, and kind of flexing for them a little bit, but I'm sure he wasn't expecting, you know, um, getting thrown into a pit, um, taken captive by Egyptian, you know, raiders or traitors or whatever they were, you know, all that he endured in uh in egypt being framed for you know rape and spending years in prison and that god was at work at that you know in 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 genesis 45 i think it's 45 he talks about god he repeats it three times god brought me to egypt god brought me to egypt as he's explaining his life to his brothers and so i think there's even when it's unexpected there is seeing um, the truth of scripture that, that you do such a great job unpacking in your book that, that 
that God has not abandoned me, that he is mm-hmm. still sovereign, that he is a good father, that he's in control and he's good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know where this is ending in terms of my immediate circumstance, but I do know where it's ending ultimately in a new heavens and new mm-hmm. earth someday. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just the mm-hmm. things that I think about. How about, how about for you? Like, how did you and your husband, you're sitting there with this diagnosis and we've got three kids with this and we're, and it's a massive question mark about what this future holds for us. We didn't see this coming at all. How did you guys process that unexpected kind of calamity in your family? Yeah. I mean, the first, so I remember, you know, we found out the one child had it and then because it was genetic, we had to do testing for my husband and me and then for the rest of the kids. And so I remember the day that I got the phone call from the pediatrician saying that two more of the kids had it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my mind is going so many different directions. Um, You know, why couldn't, not that I want it to be my husband or me, but why couldn't it have been one of us instead of the other kids? You know, it's one of them. Um, I just remember in that moment, just like, okay, I just need my husband. So I called him home from work he came home. And I remember we just sat on our front porch together and we wept, you know, it was mm. just day one. Yeah. Um, and again, in God's kindness, we were believers, even though we didn't um, see this coming, we did have an understanding, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, right. but you know, we could reach out to the Lord for his peace. Um, and honestly, like we didn't know anywhere else to go except to the Lord. So in that moment on our porch, we just prayed and we just mm-hmm. gave it all to him mm-hmm. uh, because we didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. So we sat there, the three of us. At, I could be wrong here, but I have this vague memory that it was just like, Lord, you know, you've been part of our marriage from the very beginning. Like, you know, all these kids, you've been part of all of this be part of this too, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this suffering and somehow work good out of it. So I, there are a lot of other things in there, but I think that was yeah. part of the prayer. Um, and, and then, you know, you just kind of have to go on, you know, that day, I'm sure we went ahead and we made dinner for the kids and we put them to yep. bed and we yep. tried to just be parents and yep. pray for them before they went to bed. And, yep. and then, you know, the next day brought its own thing. And, you know, it was definitely a season of, sorrow and grief that lasted a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not in the same place that we were then. We've seen God's faithfulness, but you know, I'll be honest, I had to take my daughter for blood work today and my heart yeah. starts to race because you don't know what you're going to find. Yep. Um, and so it's not something that goes away. So I'm regularly having to go back to you know, different Bible verses that the Lord has impressed in my heart and just ask him to help me even these you know these books that i've just written like help these truths to be true for me lord i don't want to just write about them for other people i want this to be written on my heart that you're still good and i can say you know even though i didn't expect these things i also didn't expect or anticipate how god's goodness would meet us in our sorrows um how i would learn what it means that we don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from god how his word has fed us comfort and hope when we have felt you know sickness these other effects from sin squeezing us his goodness has showed up shown up in the gospel as we have come to understand in a deeper way what it means that God gave his only son, he yeah. experienced these things that I most fear of loss, you know, of, um, you know, my mind can play out 
what's going to happen someday. I just am very quick to go there. Um, yes. But, you know, what does it mean that he gave his son, that he went through that to make a way for me to know him in my own suffering? Yeah. So God's, he's been very merciful to our family. So just as there's been a lot we didn't expect, I think this history of his faithfulness has been helpful as I look to the future. And I think that would be true for anyone going through any kind of suffering. Amen. You know, Amen. I think that history of God's faithfulness to his people and his word, his history of saving us from our sin, his story of faithfulness in our own lives can build that faith that, you know, I don't know how grace is going to show up tomorrow, but it will be there um, right. because that's what he's promised. And I'm going to bank on his character, not my own faith. Yeah. Um, who's yeah, my faith amen. in it's not the strength of my faith it's the person i'm putting my amen. faith in in amen. jesus amen uh, so yeah that's helpful and and <laughs> i just preached a sermon along that along those very lines um last sunday as we were unpacking mm-hmm. the the significance of the lord's supper and that's that's exactly what you just shared is mm-hmm. we there's a there's a uh, weekly remembrance a structure of remembrance that's mm-hmm. built into our weekly community as believers that we look back for the sake of looking forward. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to camp out a little bit on what you said though, in terms of your immediate reaction to the news. I think that's really important. You just said, we just stopped and we cried. And, and I think that's something that you talk about in your book that I'd love to hear you unpack more Mm -hmm. is the role of grieving appropriately. Mm-hmm. And I know you share the story about meeting with your friends and what they told you about grieving. Um, but I think there's some people, some personality types are are bent towards suppression of that and just get mm-hmm. to work and, and do tasks um, for maybe a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the role of grieving or how did you experience grieving um, well but also maybe needing to grieve some more and how you knew that and what that looked like. Sure. Yeah. I do talk about that in my book. Um, yeah. So especially in those early stages after the initial diagnosis, you know, there was just a lot to do. I had a newborn at the time. Um, like I already said, there were appointments to go to the laundry still needed to be folded. Kids still needed to be bathed and taken care of meals still needed to be made. And um, so I'm grieving, but I'm doing these other things at the same time. But I think over time, you know, we did have some additional diagnoses. Like two of my kids were diagnosed with celiac disease. That was unexpected. That changed diet. Um, I, daughter had um, some issues with hypoglycemia that had us in the hospital a couple times. Like there were other sorrows. And, um, and then, you know, I think we can, as moms, you know, we can even pray for our kids. We can ask other people to pray for them. And sometimes we still don't know how, like, I think it's like a secondary grief, like how that's like, or how that's impacting us over time. And, um, what you're referencing in my book, I ended up, um, another story, but had a miscarriage in 2018 that was, um, you know, I don't know, every miscarriage is a loss. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so every miscarriage is um, painful, it's serious. Um, but physically, I did not recover as quickly. Um, but then I'm still grieving the loss of this life. And so at 
one point, my husband and I, we did, we went to these friends for, um, just for counsel. And my friend looked at me and she said, Katie, I think you still have some more grieving to do. And she was so right. Uh, and it wasn't just grieving the loss of this unborn baby I'd never met. It was the fact that this loss reminded me of the potential loss, you know, this fear of unexpected premature losses Yes, that I might face. And so it was part of this bigger package of grief. And I think the Lord just used that to stop me in my tracks and uh, help me acknowledge that my grief was real. My trial was real. My pain was real. This is not just something my kids are walking through. This is something that I'm walking through as well. And um, how do I practice biblical lament? You know, lament is a wailing out, but how do I take those tears, that pain, and then direct it towards the Lord. And um, I was very grateful I had the opportunity. My husband had a uh, ministry-related trip that he was going on. I got to go with him, but really use that time away from the kids. While he was at meetings, I spent a lot of time just in our hotel room with the Lord, journaling, crying loudly, (laughs) and um, having some time to maybe in a way I hadn't before process some of the underlying lies that I didn't even realize I was believing about our suffering and our sorrow. And uh, so that was really meaningful for me. I know not everybody can get away and do it in an intentional way that I did. And it doesn't mean it was done after those few days either, Mm -hmm. but it was really helpful for me to set aside that time. Um, And I think, yeah, so... I, th- I think whether it's sometimes we're just in an intense season and we can't step aside, but maybe we can step out of our room. So maybe we're in a hospital with a child going through something really hard and we step into a chapel and we pray yeah, yeah. or um, we just, you know, we're at home and we just go to another room and we cry for five minutes or call a yeah. friend or text a friend and say, yep. can you just pray for me? Today is a hard day. Yeah. I think um, those are all ways we can reach out for support for help from the Lord and from his people. Um, I was just, you know, you were talking about what you just preached on uh, last Sunday and my pastor within the past month, he was preaching on Isaiah 35 and the last verse, verse 10 stood out to me. I'll read it. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And I just think of how much time has been spent in sorrow and sighing. (laughs) And, um, you know, the other side of this that we're looking forward to is that someday that sorrow is going to be gone. The sighing, all those sighs, even the ones we don't realize that we're letting escape from us are just going to be gone. So, um, you know, I do, I live in the sorrow and sighing some days. Um, and I can lament that, but I still, I think part of biblical lament is we do it in hope, in yes. hope that this isn't yes. the end of the story, that today's just part of it as a page and a chapter and, um, that there is a good end coming, whether yes. it's a good end here, or if we're looking to eternity, we just yes. have a hope as believers that I'm so grateful for. Yes. I'm, I'm curious about grieving well. And how you experience that or how you would counsel um, people to do that. 
I, I think sometimes we, again, intellectually assent to something, but maybe we don't even know how to do it well. One mm-hmm. of the things I, I heard you say that I think is part of it, uh, for me at least, is, um, is solitude, some mm-hmm. form of solitude. But there's certain people that might not even um, be that in touch with their emotions and don't even really know how to get that out um, to, to grieve or how do you know if someone's grieving well versus not grieving well? Oh, I'm not the expert here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not either, but I I think it's a good, it's a good, it's a good thought experiment. You know, it is a good thought. And I hope you heard, even in what I was retelling, like, you know, life keeps going. Like I, I don't even know if I can say I was grieving poorly and then I grieved well. I don't know. I think grief takes different forms and it plays out at different times. But if I were like talking to someone who I think is going through something hard and maybe hasn't slowed down, I think I would encourage that person. Sure. Like, just like my friend did for me, like maybe you have more grieving to do. I don't know what that would look like for you, but, um, I think another angle on it might be just honesty. Mm. Like, um, if, if you're trying to force something that's not there, well, maybe you're mm-hmm. done grieving, you know, um, mm-hmm. like you shouldn't feel like pressure to grieve, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I think, um, there's a way in which you can notice that maybe there is a, something disruptive in my life mm-hmm. after a traumatic something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, mi- miscarriage is a very common one that my, mm-hmm. my, our, my wife and I have experienced and many others at our church. Um, where I'm noticing that there's something disruptive in my experience or I'm triggered by things that normally don't trigger me. Um, or I'm just, my behavior is just deviating from what the norm is. Mm -hmm. And it might be helpful to ask, is there ways that I'm Mm -hmm. suppressing this pain Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that some honesty in, in a variety of forms, maybe it's like you said, where it's, I need, if I could get an overnight in a hotel, that would really bless me. Um, for other mm-hmm. people, it might be, I just need to process this with somebody out loud. I mean, that would be my wife's style. She's a very external processor. I'm more internal processor. Um, but I think honesty is, is the key. Like uh, pushing back against suppression of uh, honest emotions mm-hmm. um, is, is, I think, very important. And we see that model in the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. And and I, I love what you said there, though, in all of those honest laments or, or psalms of grief, I think almost every single one minus one, there's one Psalm that doesn't do it, but there's always, and I don't remember which one it is, but, uh, there's always a statement of hope. Almost always like, mm-hmm. yet I will trust you yet. I will praise you yet. My hope will be in you in the midst of this chaos that I can't figure out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's, if you resonate with yeah. that. No, I, I do. I think when you real, yeah, if you can have the self-awareness or someone else, can even point out to you, yes, you know, sometimes yes. we need someone else to point it out to us that things are disrupted yep. to be able to recognize that. Um, and sometimes I, you know, for me, I think it helped just having a friend give me permission to grieve. Yep. Like it's, it's, it's not just okay for you to grieve. You need yep. to grieve. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I think, uh, again, for myself, since that experience, you know, writing is part of my grief process. It's, I mean, definitely yeah, for me. Yeah. Um, but I think also, I think I'm getting better at when the feelings come 
because I don't live here every day, but they do come yeah. of just rather than stuffing them, rather than just bulldozing too quickly through them to try to get to the other side, to be able to pause in that moment and cry if I need to. Yeah. Yeah. And just say, this is hard, Lord. Yep. And I think, again, another part of lament, it's agreeing with God. It's like sin has really messed everything up. I yeah. wish it wasn't this way. Yep. But thank you that it's not always going to be this way. Amen. Um, so, yeah. Let's, let's um, like, uh, expand the focus <laughs> a little bit in terms of grief, just in terms of um, things aren't the way they're supposed to be, or things aren't the way that I thought they would be just in parenting in general or motherhood in general, mm-hmm. are there, are there ways that you experience in, in your circle of influence um, that a lot of moms are confronted with, this is not what I expected, or I feel guilty that I'm feeling this way because I'm not really sure what to make of this challenging motherhood situation that I never saw coming um, are there, are there some that are, you feel like are themes or at the top of the list with women that, that you interact with? It's a great question. I'm trying to think of examples, um, you know, broad, broad circle. Yeah. Uh, and again, different personalities approach things different ways. Um, but yes, <laughs> I guess in general, I would just say, yes, I, I think as far as expectations go, I mean, I, I think things play out differently than we often expect. I yeah. mean, I think that's a general yep. truth, probably. Yep. Yep. Um, certainly, among I'm thinking through different moms that I know, yeah. where you know, I, I and I, I extend it even beyond you know just the parenting part of it. I mean, I think it's related, but you know, moms who didn't think that they would be parenting alone. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, friends, um, I have a couple friends who, you know, their husbands have, um, medical conditions. So they didn't expect that they'd have to go back to work or that they'd be the breadwinner and caring for children. So I think it can play out in a lot of different scenarios. Yeah. I I think of, uh, in terms of, in my interactions with my wife and other women that are close to us that I know, um, I think contentment is one. Mm-hmm. You write a whole chapter about that. I'd love to hear you talk about that. Um, like the, the mundane of being a mother for some mothers, uh, it's just like, I didn't, I didn't expect that it would be this mundane, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think another <laughs> one that that we've just confronted in terms of parenting in general is, man, I have this, conviction in my heart that runs deep that I love these kids so much, mm-hmm. but today I don't like them. You know what I mean? My first book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, and, and, and I didn't see that coming. Cause you don't, yeah. that's not something that we talk about. Like, Hey, would you pray for me? I don't like my kids right now. Or it's, <laughs> it's that horrible feeling of like, we're going to bed and we tried to resolve some stuff and it didn't get resolved. And it's just like, we're shutting it all down and nothing's resolved. And you have that horrible pit in your stomach. Like, is this going to be the next decade of our parenting life? Because these kids are really, really challenging right now. 
I'm laughing, um, but it seriously is. So the first book that my husband helped me self-publish is called Loving My Children, yeah. Embracing Biblical Motherhood. And it comes from that idea. I, I'm i not going to... I do like my kids. <laughs> In case they ever listen to this, I want them to know that. <laughs> For sure. And my kids know this too, but we all know... And they would say the same of me. Like, I love my dad. I don't yeah. like him right now. You know. But I... That... That book was born out of, um, so even though we published it later, I actually wrote the first draft of it when I was expecting my third child. So I had two sons and I had a third, I didn't know because we were surprised, but I ended Mm -hmm. up having a third son who was on the way. And um, I just knew like that far into motherhood that I loved my kids, but loving them in a natural way wasn't enough. And not only that, but... I couldn't love them biblically as mm-hmm. you know the Bible talks about love without some serious help. I needed yep. the Lord to yep. love my kids and yep. so I just wanted to learn more about what that was. But absolutely. <laughs> like how do you how do you counsel a young mom when she's like I'm just I, I love my kids. I do not like them this week. This week has been mm-hmm. horrible and mm-hmm. I am struggling with hope for how to navigate this into the future. Well, I don't know if this is encouraging or not. I mean, one of the places I go, again, I look at how God loves us, how he's yeah. patient with us. Yeah. But one of the places I go is like, we're dealing with sin, little yeah. sinners and yeah. our own sinful hearts. Right. And, um, you know, I, I want to look at log in my own eye before I try to pick the speck out of my kid's eye too. But yes. this is part of God's plan. He chose you to be the mother of your kids and your kids for you and this is part of his sanctification plan it's part of his plan like this is not a like a this is part of his plan i think of acts um is it acts 19 i'm not sure where you know paul's talking about how um god has like the set times where people are going to live and yeah yes okay and um you know i referenced that i think of it with motherhood it's like god picked the exact Yep. Time my kids were going to live in the exact home. He's sovereign over all of this. And his purpose is that they might get to know him. His purpose is that I might get to know him better too. Right. Um, but I think it's all part of God's glorious plan that is often messy and um, of us recognizing our need for a savior and their need for a savior and pointing us all to him. Yeah. it's It's oftentimes a reminder for me that, this thing that might be driving me nuts in parenting is less about them and more about me. Mm-hmm. Like God is exposing in me an impatience or a control issue. Um, yeah, my kids are sinners and that needs to be addressed. But why do I have the emotions I have to the heightened degree that they're there might say something about control or some type of an idol yeah. that needs to be exposed and um, it's hard to reflect on that in the heat of the moment, right? When, when whatever is happening in the chaos of family life, but, right. um, and to remember yeah. that we're supposed to be, I mean, I, yeah, they were supposed to be the adult in the room, but right. also we're supposed to be the Christian. Amen. I mean, Amen. we've known the Lord longer Amen. and we're with kids who, some of them are not believers. <laughs> and so, you know, the expectations. Yeah. That's that one of the things that's been them. most, um, most helpful for me in parenting, and this didn't even mm. come in a parenting book, but it was just for a book I read about pastoring and being, you know, in a lot of ways, pastoring is parenting. But his his counsel to us as pastors was just simply, you know, you might have someone in your church that's only been a Christian for five years. Mm. 
you can't expect them to have Christian maturity of someone who's been a Christian for 40 years. And like, oftentimes we do that as a default setting and same in parenting. Like this kid might only, you know, theologically speaking, have the Holy spirit for two, two weeks or two years. And I've had the Holy spirit in my heart, as far as I know, for about 42 years. And that should help me calm down a little bit and manage my expectations a little more. Um, and how gracious God has been with me mm-hmm. in the 42 years that I've questioned him and lacked faith in his promises. And, um, and he hasn't just wiped me off the face of the earth in judgment. He's shown me mercy after mercy. That, that concept really helps me calm down. If I can fight for that line of thinking in the heat of the moment, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, amen. What about, what about contentment in an age of Instagram? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that could be a, um, a pandemic that, mm-hmm. or an epidemic. I don't know what the true definition of those words is because I'm not a medical professional, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I recognize that in my own heart, mm-hmm. but especially for, for moms or young moms, where all you ever see is mothering perfection on Instagram and smiles and beautifully coiffed kids and, um, and uh, just stories of perfect vacations and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. How do you help women in your sphere handle those things? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess before I start with women in my own sphere, how do I handle them? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, so I do try to limit my time, my presence on social mm-hmm. media. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I use it as an author, um, yeah. but yeah, I can find it's not hard. It doesn't take long to see my natural tendency towards discontentment to come up if I'm, um, you know, on social media. Yeah. But uh, I think the other side of it is just spending more time in real life. Uh, so it's not that Instagram isn't, doesn't always show pictures of real life, but they're pictures. And so I think I just want to have my uh, diet intake balanced and um, you know, I'd much prefer spending more time with the people in my circle than looking at pictures on Instagram. So doing life with people living yep. in community, with the ladies in my small group, with the women in my church, um, you know, uh, with our kids together. So that's just, that's life giving. And it's, um, yeah, I don't know. We could unpack that more, but I think for me that that probably is part of what helps to fight it. Do you have like intentional limits that you set in any specific way? I have at times. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the beginning when, I mean, I seriously went on social media because I was writing. So it wasn't, I really didn't have a lot of time for it before. Um, So that was my whole reason for even getting on social media. But yeah, I would take weekends off. So like regular breaks. Um, It's a little bit different now, but I, uh, I do try to just limit how often I'm checking. Um, and you know, take, uh, for me, it just serves to realize, okay, if I'm away for a little while, 
people don't need me. They need right. the Lord, right. you know. Right. Amen. Um, so it's okay to take a break. And I don't even always tell people I'm taking a break, but you know, I think I took about a month off at one point in the summer and that was helpful. Um, I do a lot of, like if I'm posting, I usually schedule it in batches so that I'm not having to check constantly even yeah. for stuff that I've scheduled. So yep. that's just for me because yeah. I, I know my personality. I And, and also my time. I, I want my time to be spent other places. Yeah, that's really really helpful. Um, let me close with this, Katie, this has been a really fruitful discussion and I'm, I'm really Aww. thankful for it. Um, how do you seek to incorporate like daily gospel formation in your kids? Um, I know this is a value of yours just by the way that you write. I think something that young parents struggle with is um, like in the heat of parenting, in the chaos of parenting, I know, again, intellectually, I know that I should be seeking to form them in the gospel with whatever life throws at us. So mm-hmm. what does the gospel say about my brother who is really annoying me right now? Or my sister that's not sharing right now? Or I'm disappointed because I got picked last on the playground um, or whatever it is. You know, it, I, I know for my wife and I, you know, we've got older kids and we feel like we probably could have done a better job at this of trying to infuse instead of just saying, Hey, knock it off. Mm-hmm. Like what's going on here. And there's times when you have to say, knock it off. Cause you just can't do a little mini sermon at every moment of the day. Um, but, but are there ways that you think about, yeah, structuring, more faithful gospel formation into your parenting. I think that's something that a lot of our, our families would love to grow in. Appreciate the question. Um, so I've been a mom for almost 17 years mm-hmm. and uh, it's looked different in different seasons. Uh, for sure. But, you know, I've had the same desire and I think part of what's challenging as a mom is that the one thing that I want for my kids more than anything, which is their salvation, you know, even more than healing of any kind of sickness or anything, I want them to be healed from their sin. That's Mm -hmm. my greatest desire for them. And that's something that I am dependent on the Lord to do for them. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is humbling. Um, But I think it's also for me, it lets a little bit of the pressure out um, because it's about faithfulness. It's not about checking off certain boxes. Amen. It's about being faithful in the different seasons to, you know, train our children, mm-hmm. you know, whether we're wherever we are, I think of the passage in Deuteronomy, but how do you apply that with gospel truths? You know, it's reading the children's Bibles. It's, you know, reading other books. It's just having that culture or that be part of our family culture. Uh, the reading of books has been a big thing for us. Yeah, same here. Um, but another that I go to is prayer, because yeah. again, what I want for them is something I am dependent on the Holy Spirit and you know God to do in their hearts. So um, I remember, I think this is at my baby shower before my first child was born. My sister in law shared this with me, and she said 
pray with your kids as long as you're able to. Mm. And so, you know, my husband and I, we still go in at night and we pray for our kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, we started that habit when they were really young and I don't want to give it up. And, you know, even if they leave the house, like we just want to be diligent to pray for them about whatever's going on. So, and I infuse those prayers with gospel truths, you know, uh, and they're listening to those prayers. um, And so, and then, you know, what you were saying, you know, even on the playground or in their sibling conflicts, you know, you know, wanting to bring scripture in, wanting that to be part of um, how we do life together. Don't do it perfectly. I get lazy. I don't, um, you know, always... I'm not always faithful to speak the perfect scripture to each situation right. or that sort of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Same here. But, everyone says same here. <laughs> yeah. But again, I think that goes back to that prayerful dependence on the Lord, you know, just trusting yeah. that he's going to give me what I need in the moment. And yep. um, so I don't know if that's helpful. Those it's are very helpful. What comes to mind. Yeah. Katie, I, I really appreciate your heart and, um, I really am thankful for your book. I think there's so much there that can be applied to um, the unexpected of medical problems, but even more so your book speaks to just the unexpected of living in a broken world, how to make sense of that, especially in reference to being a mother. Um, And so I have no doubt that this is going to um, have a huge impact as it moves into the future. So thank you so much for taking the faithful steps to follow the Lord by faith and having this book emerge and the other books that you've written. And I hope that it uh, continues in the future. Thanks for that encouragement. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Thanks, Katie.